Hey everyone, welcome to the show. So this is the big one. That's what she said. <laughs> Sorry. Um, this is the accountability we've been waiting for for so many years. The devil's going to be going down to Georgia to be arraigned soon. Um, the reason why this indictment of Donald Trump is so different, in my opinion, so much more important, is because we're finally getting accountability with some of his co-conspirators. Up until this point, of course, it has just been him. Um, a few people in the classified documents thing, but, you know, overall, the, the attempt to steal the election in 2020, no one else has faced any consequences. He hasn't either, but no one has even been named until now. So here's the deal. Here's what went down. I'm going to give you guys so many details. Uh, this is going to be a long one. Again, that's what she said. Um, Donald Trump and 18 others have been indicted by a grand jury in the state of Georgia. That is very crucial to reiterate that he was indicted by a grand jury, not Fonnie Willis, not the district attorney down there, but by a jury of his peers. I read through the full 97 page indictment. I'm going to be sharing details about the indictment as well as some details about each of the defendants. So. Here's who was charged and what crimes they were charged for. Donald Trump has been charged with violation of the Georgia RICO Act, two counts of solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer, conspiracy to commit impersonating a public officer, conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, conspiracy to commit false statements and writings, conspiracy to commit filing false documents, conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, conspiracy to commit false statements and writings, filing false documents, solicitation of violation of oath by public officer, and two counts of false statements and writings. Trump attorney and New York City or former New York City mayor Rudy Giuliani has been charged with violation of the RICO Act, three counts of solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer. <laughs> I can get that out. Uh, three counts of false statements and writings, conspiracy to commit impersonating a public officer, conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, conspiracy to commit false statements and writings, conspiracy to commit filing false documents, conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, and conspiracy to commit false statements and writings. Attorney and coup memo author John Eastman has been charged with violation of the Georgia RICO Act, solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer, conspiracy to commit impersonating a public officer, two counts of conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, two counts of conspiracy to commit false statements and writings, conspiracy to commit false documents, um, excuse me, conspiracy to commit filing of false documents um, and filing false documents. Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, has been charged with violation of the Georgia RICO Act, also solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer, Attorney Kenneth Cheesebro has been charged with violation of the Georgia RICO Act, conspiracy to commit impersonating a public officer, conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, two counts of conspiracy to commit false statements and writings, conspiracy to commit filing false documents, 
and conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree. Former Justice Department attorney Jeffrey Clark has been charged with violation of the Georgia RICO Act and attempt, excuse me, and criminal attempt to commit false statements and writings. Attorney Jenna Ellis has been charged with violation of the Georgia RICO Act and solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer. Attorney Ray Stalling Smith III has been charged with violation of the Georgia RICO Act, three counts of solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer, two counts of false statements and writings, conspiracy to commit impersonating a public officer, two counts of conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, two counts of conspiracy to commit false statements and writings, and conspiracy to commit filing false documents. Attorney Robert Cheeley was charged with violation of the Georgia RICO Act, conspiracy to commit impersonating a public officer, conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, two counts of conspiracy to commit false statements and writings, conspiracy to commit filing false documents, conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer, um, false statements and writings, and perjury. Trump campaign aide Michael Roman was charged with violation of Georgia's RICO Act, conspiracy to commit impersonating a public officer, two counts of conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, two counts of conspiracy to commit false statements and writings, and conspiracy to commit false doc or filing false documents. Um, the chairman of the Georgia Republican Party and also fake elector David Schaefer was charged with violation of the Georgia RICO Act, impersonating a public officer, two counts of forgery in the first degree, three counts of false statements and writings, and criminal attempt to commit filing false documents. Fake elector Sean Still was charged with violation of Georgia's RICO Act, impersonating a public officer, two counts of forgery in the first degree, and three counts of false statements and writings. Stephen Lee is one of the people who allegedly pressured and tried to intimidate Georgia election worker Ruby Freeman. They tried to get her to say that she rigged the election, which was not true. He was charged with violation of the Georgia RICO Act, two counts of criminal attempt to commit influencing witnesses, conspiracy to commit solicitation of false statements and writings, and influencing witnesses. Harrison Floyd, not to be confused with Harrison Ford, <laughs> that's what a lot of people thought his name was when this all came out initially. Um, Harrison Floyd was also allegedly involved in this effort to intimidate Ruby Freeman. He has also been charged with violation of the Georgia RICO Act, conspiracy to commit solicitation of false statements and writings, and influencing witnesses. Trevion Kuti, you guys might recall, you might remember that name, that this person was a publicist for Kanye West. He's also accused of taking part in that pressure campaign against Ms. Freeman, so he has also been charged with violation of the Georgia RICO Act, conspiracy to commit solicitation of false statements and writings, and influencing witnesses. Kraken attorney Sidney Powell, she has been charged with violation of the Georgia RICO Act, two counts of conspiracy to commit election fraud, conspiracy to commit computer theft, 
conspiracy to commit computer trespass, conspiracy to commit computer invasion of privacy, and conspiracy to defraud the state. Kathleen Latham, who goes by the name Kathy Latham, she was one of Trump's fake electors. She is the former, now former, Coffee County, Georgia Republican chairperson. Um, she was indicted on charges of violation of the Georgia RICO Act, impersonating a public officer, forgery in the first degree, false statements and writings, criminal attempt to commit false uh, filing of false documents, two counts of conspiracy to commit election fraud, conspiracy to commit computer theft, conspiracy to commit computer trespass, conspiracy to commit computer invasion of privacy, and conspiracy to defraud the state. Um, Scott Hall, he is a bail bondsman in Georgia, not politically involved at all until this point. He allegedly attempted to breach the voting equipment in Coffee County as well. So Hall has been indicted on charges of violation of the Georgia RICO Act, two counts of conspiracy to commit election fraud, conspiracy to commit computer theft, conspiracy to commit computer trespass, conspiracy to commit computer invasion of privacy, and conspiracy to defraud the state. Misty Hampton, you might recognize that name as well. Um, she was an election official in Coffee County, Georgia, and she was allegedly directly involved in the breach of that county's voting equipment. Hampton is the 19th and final defendant that was charged in this indictment. She was charged with violation of the Georgia RICO Act, two counts of conspiracy to commit election fraud, two uh, conspiracy to commit computer theft, conspiracy to commit computer trespass, conspiracy to commit computer invasion of privacy, and conspiracy to defraud the state. Um, in addition to Trump's co-conspirators that were named in this indictment, there are 30 additional unindicted co-conspirators. Now, of course, everyone suspects some or all of them could be cooperating. What we do know is that eight of the fake electors for Trump in the state of Georgia, they are for sure cooperating. So they definitely could be included in that 30 or it could be, you know, 30 completely different people. I was very shocked to see that Republican Congressman Lindsey Graham and also attorney Lynn Wood weren't indicted, so they could be cooperating. Um, they could be two of the unindicted co-conspirators. And remember, some of the unindicted co-conspirators could be named in a superseding indictment. They could be named in a separate but related case, or, it, you know, there just could have been a lack of, of evidence that would beyond a reasonable doubt prove to a jury that they were involved, you know, or at least to a degree that the jury would convict them. By all accounts, prosecutors don't like to bring charges unless they have irrefutable evidence. Um, that is why their conviction rates are so high. So, of course, they're not going to say something unless they believe they have really strong evidence. Before I dive into the details of the indictment, I should mention all of these defendants have been given until next Friday, August 25th, to surrender to the authorities and to be arraigned. So if they fail to surrender by that date, they will be arrested. There, there will be issues or warrants issued and they will be arrested and taken into custody. Um, District Fonnie Willis, also, or District Attorney Fonnie Willis, I should say, 
Um, she said in her press conference last night that she wants to, this trial to take place within six months. It's my understanding that's never going to happen, um, especially when you have 19 defendants. You know, just the jury selection process alone could take many, many months it, because you have different people objecting and wanting somebody else. And then there could be months and months of motions and hearings from the various different defense attorneys. Um, also, According to experts, it's highly unlikely that all 19 of these defendants are going to make it to trial. Some of them will probably take plea or cooperation deals before that time. Um, that is definitely going to put pressure on the others to do the same. And then, two, you have some crossover between this case and the case that Jack Smith just brought with the Department of Justice. So there are some um, un, uh, indicted co-conspirators in this case that were named as unindicted co-conspirators in the Justice Department's case. So now we have to wait and see, you know, is it in their best interest, some of these people like John Eastman, like Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, is it in their best interest to just stay quiet, not not flip at all because now they face jeopardy in both the state and the federal cases or is it in their best interest to do whatever they need to to relieve some of the pressure and to take a deal in both cases so that'll be really interesting to watch um, and then a few other things to consider trump's packs as i've shared with you guys they were already purportedly very strapped for cash with his personal legal issues, just what he was paying for himself and then some of the people that were involved or being questioned in some of these cases. But now they could be on the hook for serious legal fees for, you know, criminal defense attorneys for 19 defendants in this case, if you include Trump. And Trump is going to want to keep them close. He's going to want to keep them on good terms. He's going to want to keep them with attorneys that he can control so that they won't flip or they're less likely to flip on him. That is a lot of legal fees. Also, all of these people are facing a mandatory minimum of five years in prison. It's a maximum of 20, but five years is the rock bottom minimum that they will spend in prison if they're convicted on just the RICO violation. So that is a big incentive to flip, you know, or to take a plea deal at least, maybe not flip on anyone, but unlikely that, you know, the prosecutor is going to offer a plea deal unless they have something to offer in exchange. Um, we won't see anything for a while, though, I wouldn't anticipate because their attorneys are probably telling them, you know, let's wait, let's see what the evidence is that the DA has against you, let's gauge the strength of the case against you, and then we'll see what we what we want to do at that point. Um, also, you know, let's see if any other defendants look like they're about to flip because you don't want to be the last one. And, you know, if we start to see people changing legal representation, that is always a sign that something's coming. That is a bad sign for Trump. So just like with Cassidy Hutchinson. Um, so here are some of the key details from the indictment. I am not going to go through the entire thing. It is massive, 97 pages. Um, but I will give you the key points that I thought kind of stood out um, and what people need to know, some things that we didn't know before. 
So for instance, on November 4th of 2020, it says that Trump discussed a draft speech with unindicted co-conspirator one that falsely declared victory and falsely claimed voter fraud. Well, based on that description, I would say unindicted co-conspirator would either be Steve Bannon or Roger Stone. Okay, I mean, it could be Jared Kushner. I doubt it, though. I don't think that he would share that with them or get their advice on that. Um, so I'm thinking it's one of the two of them. It could be Stephen Miller. Um, very short list of the people that I think that he would discuss that with. The indictment goes on to detail numerous phone calls, also tweets, voicemails, press conferences, presentations, and meetings, like a lot of them, in which Giuliani, Meadows, you know, all of these people, all of these defendants, pretty much, um, with very few exceptions, made false statements about election fraud. And they use these false statements to pressure state legislators and others to throw out Joe Biden's elector certificates and to appoint fake electors to sign fraudulent documents for Trump saying he won. So this went on over and over and over again for months. Um, and then this is really interesting and not something I think we knew of previously. The indictment states, quote, on or between the first day of December 2020 and the 31st day of December 2020, Donald John Trump and Mark Randall Meadows met with John McKinty and requested that McKinty prepare a memorandum outlining a strategy for disrupting and delaying the joint session of Congress on January 6, 2021. Now, McKinty was a Trump political advisor. He then served as a White House aide to Trump. And the indictment goes on to say, quote, the strategy included having Vice President Michael R. Pence count only half of the electoral votes from certain states and then return the remaining electoral votes to state legislatures. So we knew other people were working on that, but we didn't know that Trump directly gave an order to McKinty to draft something like this, so that's new. Um, in regard to the Kraken lady, Cindy Sydney Powell, the indictment states that she, quote, entered into a written engagement agreement with Sullivan Strickler LLC, a forensic data firm located in Fulton County, Georgia, for the performance of computer forensic collections and analytics on Dominion voting systems equipment in Michigan and elsewhere. So they know she had a documented in, you know, black and white written agreement with this company to review Dominion voting systems uh, machines. So, and she had no right to do this. I mean, she was just an attorney, an attorney from Texas, right? The document goes on to cite numerous emails in which there was communication between numerous defendants in this indictment, also unindicted co-conspirators and other people to locate fake electors, to literally find people to act as a fake elector, schedule the signing of the fake elector documents for Trump, and then um, sending the, the fraudulent documents to those people in charge of the local efforts, like literally emails containing attachments that had the fraudulent documents attached. So there were 
all kinds of emails. I mean, so many, more than, than the states that they, this was conducted in because they had to redraft documents because some of the states had problems with the way that it was written um, or the, the way that it was framed and why they were signing these documents. And co-conspirator eight is Burt Jones. That is based on a tweet cited in this indictment. So I copied and Googled the statement and sure enough, his tweet popped up. Um, Jones is the current Lieutenant Governor of Georgia. He was also one of the fake electors and he tweeted out a call to action basically for Georgia, quote, patriots. Uh, this was on December 7th of 2020. And he was telling people, oh, you need to go out and contact your representatives and you need to pressure them to sign a petition and make them hold a special uh, session in Congress about these bogus election fraud claims. I mean, he didn't call them bogus. He fully believed this. So this tells you a lot about his character and or his competency. Um, this next passage also stuck out to me. Act 64, this is how they listed this, listed all of these details in the indictment. Act 1, Act 2, Act 3 that these people took. So Act 64 states that Giuliani and, and Cheesebro were on a conference call with another man and they were discussing the signing of the fraudulent elector documents on December 14th of 2020. And Giuliani told these men that the media should not be notified about the signing of the documents in Wisconsin. Then in Act 72, it says that Cheesebro stated in an email regarding the signing of the Georgia fraudulent documents that Giuliani, quote, wants to keep this quiet until after all the voting is done. Hmm, why? Why all the secrecy, right? If they weren't doing anything wrong, why do they need to keep this under wraps? This entry also raised an eyebrow. Um, this next one, there was an, a, an email discussing the signing of the fake elector documents in Georgia. And it says that the unindicted co-conspirator listed as number four told Roman and Schaefer, those are two of the defendants, that, quote, Georgia legislators had been contacted to ensure access to the Georgia Capitol. Because remember, the fake electors had to go to the Capitol. That's how it's written in the Constitution, where they need to sign this um, or these documents. So they're saying legislators, like lawmakers in the state of Georgia, Congress members, are in on this? Like they knew that these people were going there to sign these documents and that they needed to keep the doors open for them and allow them access? You know, are they some of the unindicted co-conspirators, maybe some of the lawmakers in Georgia? There was also some clarity about um, the identity of some of the other unindicted co-conspirators in Act Number 79. It states that unindicted co-conspirator two and unindicted co-conspirators eight through 19 signed the fraudulent elector documents in Georgia. So they are the fake electors. Um, Act 95 also caught my attention. It says that Trump called the Arizona Speaker of the House on December 25th of 2020. So this is Christmas Day. Trump calls Rusty Bowers, who you guys might remember from the select committee hearings, 
Bowers is as conservative as they come. And he voted for Trump in both 2016 and 2020. In this call, Trump allegedly pressured Bowers to appoint fake electors in Arizona. And Bowers told Trump, quote, I voted for you. I worked for you. I campaigned for you. I just won't do anything illegal for you. So Trump knew, or he should have known, that what he was asking people to do, what was being done on his behalf, was illegal. It couldn't be more clear. Um, Act 96 is also interesting. It says that Mark Meadows texted the Georgia Secretary of State Chief Investigator on December 27th of 2020. This was the investigator who was assigned to look into whether or not there was any fraud in the state, right? So Meadows asked this person, quote, is there any way to speed up Fulton County signature verification in order to have results before Jan 6 if the Trump campaign assists financially? So let us give you some money and you just speed things up a little bit. <laughs> before that date that we have to have things done. Uh, Act 97 is something I think we've all heard before, but it bears repeating. This was also on December 27th. Trump spoke with his acting United States Attorney General, a man named Jeffrey Rosen, and also his acting United States Deputy Attorney General, Richard Donahue. He asked them on this date to lie about election results and to claim that there was fraud. And when they pushed back on that, when they refused and said, there's not sufficient evidence, we're not gonna do this because we don't have the evidence to prove this, Trump told them, quote, just say the election was corrupt and leave the rest to me and the Republican congressman. As for Jeffrey Clark, uh, the indictment, of course, notes how he drafted and attempted to send to the Georgia authorities and others a document containing false statements about the Justice Department saying, oh, we have, quote, significant concerns about election fraud. They did not. They, his superiors said, no, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to send it. We are not going to send it. Act 108 notes that Trump and Eastman filed false documents when they submitted a complaint to the court. You guys may have heard about this, but this is also worth repeating. Um, Eastman had submitted, given J Donald Trump something, he was gonna submit to something to the court. He sent it to Donald Trump to sign and Eastman admitted in writing, not to Trump, but to someone else, that eh, yeah, some of the stuff that's in this document that Trump is signing, it's not exactly correct. It's not really true. So he knew that what he was having Trump sign was not legitimate, was not entirely true. I mean, all of it was BS, but he knew that some of it was BS and he still allowed Trump to sign it and then he submitted it to the courts. Um, another interesting detail in Act 115 gives a clue about the identity of unindicted co-conspirator number 23. Uh, this is the part of the indictment that deals with the pressure campaign against Georgia election worker Ruby Freeman. And it says that the defendants 
Harrison Floyd, Trevian Kuti, and Stephen Lee, they all had phone conversations with unindicted co-conspirator number 23. So I'm very curious to find out who that is. Um, also, Floyd, Kuti, and Lee were in communication with other defendants in this case. So, it, you know, some of this seemed like it was detached from other parts of the scheme. Like you would think, okay, these people who were pressuring Ruby Freeman weren't really involved in the rest of this scheme and this scam by Trump and his allies. But no, these three men who were pressuring Ruby Freeman, they were also in contact with Robert Cheeley and Scott Hall. And Cheeley and Hall, the, those two never interacted with Ruby Freeman. So it leads you to the question of, you know, was this coming, was this pressure campaign on Ruby Freeman coming from higher up? Um, further down in the indictment, Act 123 states that Trump and Eastman met with then Vice President Mike Pence, his chief of staff, and his White House attorney to pressure Pence to either delay the counting of the electoral votes or to refuse to count certain states' votes. And in this meeting, Eastman conceded that both of those options violated the Electoral Count Act. Yet you had Trump, Eastman, Giuliani, all of them on stage saying the complete opposite, that Mike Pence had the authority to do that. When Eastman, it came out of his own mouth, Trump is there with them, and he's saying, yeah, yeah, you're not really allowed to do this but I'm gonna pressure you to do it anyway. Um, Act 126 notes that Jenna Ellis had drafted a memorandum on January 5th of 2021. And in that memo, she advised that in regard to the counting of the electoral votes, quote, the vice president should begin alphabetically in order of the states coming first to Arizona, not open the purported certification but simply stop the count at that juncture. So we thought that Jenna Ellis was a more fringe player, but she is throughout this indictment, calling people, giving presentations, going on TV, making statements that she knows to be false. I mean, she has admitted that now, but she apparently was in the thick of all this. She was out there drafting documents, trying to stop the electoral vote count. Um, and then what really struck me was how much Trump and others pressured Vice President Mike Pence on January 5th of 2021. Eastman met with Pence's chief of staff and his White House attorney that day, January 5th. Same day, Trump meets with Pence, pressures him again. Then Trump places two phone calls to Pence, same day, still pressuring him. And in each instance, as he's pressuring Pence to refuse to certify the election results, Pence is pushing back and saying, I'm not gonna do it. In every single interaction, Pence told him, I am not gonna do this, I can't do this, I don't have the legal authority to do so. Later that same day though, Trump tweets out to his followers in part, quote, the vice president and I are in total agreement that the vice president has the power to act. So he just flat out 
180 degree difference lies to his followers. Got them spun up when he knew for a fact that Mike Pence was not going to go along with this. And we all, I mean, you have to think, what was his reason for that, right? Of course, it was so that they would pressure Pence. His pressure wasn't working, so let me put the pressure on him by my millions of supporters and make them think that he has the power to do this, even though he and others have told me repeatedly he does not. This is illegal. Um, and then we all know he continued that pressure the following day, January 6th. He continued to mislead his supporters with his tweets, with his words. Also on January 6th, Eastman emailed Mike Pence's White House counsel, um, so his in-house attorneys or, or attorney, and said in part, quote, I implore you to consider one more relatively minor violation and adjourn for 10 days to allow the legislatures to finish their investigations. So Eastman admitted, he admits in writing, I know that what I'm asking you to do is a violation of the Constitution. Um, Act 143 provides the identity of unindicted co-conspirator 24. It appears to be an employee of the forensic data firm that I mentioned, Sullivan Strickler. And then unindicted co-conspirator 29, that might be Cyber Ninja CEO Doug Logan, because the passage about that and that mentions number 29 um, says that that person was granted illegal access to the election equipment in Coffee County. And we know from video and photographic evidence that Logan went into that facility. I think he took someone else with him, but he went into that facility and he copied the data off of those Dominion machines. Also, unindicted co-conspirator 28 is referred to as an attorney associated with Sidney Powell and the Trump campaign. And the stolen data from Coffee County was transmitted to that person. So that should be somewhat easy to narrow down. Act 159 cites false statements made by Sidney Powell to the January 6th Select Committee. I mean, they just call her out for flat out lying to them. When she was asked by the committee about the illegal accessing of voting equipment in Georgia and, and elsewhere, Powell told the committee that she, quote, didn't have any role in really setting it up. Yeah, after she paid for someone to access that equipment and review it. Um, Powell also claimed that she was aware of an effort, quote unquote, to do this, but she said she didn't, quote, know what happened with that. No clue what happened with that. And then she couldn't, quote, remember whether that was Rudy or other folks. So as much as he's trying to throw her under the bus, she's trying to throw him right back under. She's pulling him under with her and saying, yeah, I think Rudy was the one who was trying to access that voting equipment illegally. <laughs> um, the indictment also shares numerous allegedly false statements made by Kathy Latham in regard to her part in that illegal breach of the voting equipment. So those are the key elements in this indictment. Um, I, of course, will keep you all posted as new details are revealed and when these defendants start to turn themselves in. But 
that's the gist of it. And I'm sure more will come out. There is more that I, I do have to share, but I'm going to save that for tomorrow because this is already a long enough video for all of you. And, um, you know, now's the time. I mean, if these people actually have evidence, they should probably bring it forward right now instead of going to prison for f at least five years, right? Yeah. We'll see. I'm, I won't hold my breath. I don't suggest that any of you out there hold your breath. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Please like, share, and subscribe. Please donate if you possibly can. Links are below in the description box on YouTube and on the podcast. Truly appreciate all of you. Love you all. Take care. Talk with you soon. Mm -hmm.